but that is our job, and that's our task too, right? Uh, how to affect the world without the world affecting us. Um, and, uh, and so last week we just talked about Ephesians chapter 5, that, that we are to walk in um, the light, we're supposed to walk in, the, in love, we're supposed to walk in wisdom, as it tells us there. In other words, I think our points were is we don't isolate, but we imitate Jesus, because that's what Ephesians 5, uh, uh, 2 says. Uh, 5, uh, 10 says that we don't stumble in the dark, but we, you know, have this light that we shine. Uh, Ephesians five fifteen says that we are to be wise. Uh, why are we to be wise? Because we have a mission. So we're, the, the point I had is be wise so no one dies, right? Uh, but the point is, is that we have, we have a mission. We're trying to rescue people just like Jesus when he came here to rescue us. That's what he did. Uh, and we have the same kind of thing uh, that we are to do. You know, God wants, uh, and so really what I want to do today is just kind of uh, expand on where we left off last week. Uh, I, I really believe that we just need to talk about this for just a, a little bit longer, and then we're going to move on to another aspect of relationships. But God wants us to, he wants to fill us up. He wants us to overflow with joy and peace and love in our lives, that this isn't really that big, big of a deal. It's not that hard to affect the, the world around us because all we're doing is just letting God, God fill us up with all of these good things that he has. And so that when we walk around out there, we're just sloshing out Jesus everywhere, right? And it's like we are just affecting people because of our love for God and how God has filled us up. You know, John 10.10, 10, it says, I have come, this is Jesus. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it abundant. Uh, the word abundance there, it means an overflowing abundance. And, and what, what Jesus literally came, came to do is so that he, he blesses us so much that people just notice, right? We're just overflowing with Jesus. I remember um, early on in my ministry hearing this illustration of, you know, this this church having a revival, and at the end of the revival, they had people come forward, and, and one of the little boys comes forward, because the preacher is obviously asking, you know, who wants Jesus to live inside of them? And, and so this little boy comes down, and the preacher is talking to him, and says, son, did you come to, so that you could have Jesus live in you? And he's like, I did, sir, but I can't figure this out. I mean, he's so big, and I'm so small, he'll be sticking out everywhere, right? And the preacher is like, that is exactly the point. And that is the point. I mean, all we're supposed to do is just be filled up with Jesus. The more Jesus fills us up, the more he just overflows in our life, and the more that we start affecting the people in the world that we associate with, and that we are around. I, I have this picture, like it's a like it's a fountain with tears. My, my, uh, uh, my mother-in-law had this um, uh, chocolate fountain. You probably, maybe you have one. I know you've seen them before, right? Where the chocolate just comes out the top and it hits the first tier and then it comes and hits the second tier and it comes and hits the third. And some of them have like four tiers. Have you seen those? And you can dip like strawberries in them and things like that. That's how I picture this because Jesus is like the source, Right? 
He is where the chocolate is just coming out of the top. And, and he's that source, and, and that first tier is like us. So he's just filling us up, and it's just hitting that first tier. And as it hits that first tier, it goes to the next tier, which is, which is like our, our family and, and the people that we are the closest to, you know, that we associate with on, a, on a, just an everyday basis. And that ends up going down to the next tier, which is like our closest friends, the people that we hang out with on a daily basis, which goes to the next tier, which is our community, which goes to the next tier, which is the world. The, the Bible tells us that we are to, uh, um, to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that again in a second, but, but the point is, is that mission is huge. When you think that, how are we to change the world? Well, you just change it by letting Jesus change you. And as he does, he just, again, he starts affecting the people that you're the closest to, and it keeps going down and down and down. We're starting at that bottom tier. We're just talking about relationships we have with people in the world. You know, that, that illustration also reminds me the first time, I think it's actually the only time my mother-in-law used that uh, chocolate fountain. She was super excited. She ordered this. She just started having all these grandkids, you know, and, and us grandparents are always looking for something fun to do with grandkids, right? And so she had this chocolate fountain. I don't know if it was like, I know it was a holiday. I don't know if it was Christmas. I think it was, but, or Thanksgiving or what, but she had this thing set out and it had its table by itself, right? And all the things that you could dip, strawberries and, and everything that you would want to put in there with chocolate and she was so excited. Well, before very long at all, the grandkids were just around it, looking at it. And, of course, all the adults were, like, visiting and talking. Next thing you know, I mean, these kids has got chocolate all over their face, right? And what they were doing is they were sticking their fingers in, licking it, sticking their fingers in, licking it, double dipping, you know, like putting the strawberry in, licking the strawberry, and then sticking it back in. They didn't realize that it, what it does is it just kind of keeps filtering the same chocolate. I mean, they're just kids. They don't know. But let me tell you something. I never ate any chocolate that night. None. And I wasn't the only one. I don't know that any adults ate any chocolate after the kids had got to, but they loved it. And, uh, and I think it was right after that that actually Westside Christian Church inherited that chocolate fountain. I don't know where it's at, but my mother-in-law like, is, that's not a good idea. Let's just give that thing away. But, you know, it, it kind of made me think that that's the way life is, right? I mean, life can be super messy for us. And, and it can just get that way. And, and by, the, by the grace and mercy of God, he helps us through those messy times of our lives. But in reality, that's not the kind of fountain we want to have, right? One that pushes people away and is like, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's, if that's how you maintain your fountain, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, and I know we could probably peel that back a lot more, but the, but the reality of it is, is it's still, even though I did not participate that night with that chocolate fountain, I still desired it. You see what I'm saying? That's just the way Jesus is he can, because he comes out of that fountain and he just, he draws people to himself. That's what the Bible says, that he, he through, you know, being crucified on the cross will draw all men to himself and he still becomes desirable even when we kind of are messy uh, with our fountain and our setup. But, 
But the reality is, is we don't want a messy fountain. We want a fountain that people want to participate in. We want to come and, and, and partake of Jesus, like, you know, the chocolate factory kind of thing, right? Um, we want them to not only desire him, but want to be a part of that. And so that's what we're trying to create. I want to, I want to give you like three highlights about how Jesus is involved with us, right? How he is, when it comes to our relationships with people in the world, how he is set us up to be effective and how to accomplish the mission that he has come out, I mean, come to us with. The first thing is, is these are super simple, but they're super important for us to comprehend. And the first one is, is that God, you've got to realize that God has sent you into the world. You know, like last week we talked about that some people think, well, when, now that God has got me, you know, that I found salvation in Jesus, I just got to stay away from the world. That's what I got to do. And I do think there are periods that we need to isolate, and we talked about that. If we can't, if we can't imitate Jesus, then maybe we need to isolate for a period of time, just so that we, when we do go into the world, we can imitate Christ in our lives. And I had to have that time. That's where my Ozark time came from, is because I knew that I, if I was going to be all in on this, then I had to pull away from my friends. I had to pull away from, you know, this worldliness in general. You know, the music I listened to, uh, TV I watched, and I just had to go isolate myself at Ozark Christian College for a period of time so that when I do come back into the world, I can start imitating Jesus. And so I think that there are times that we need to do that. But for the most part, we have to understand his mission. And his mission is, is that he sent us into this world to save the world through him. We are his soldiers. And there is a battle that is going on. And, and God has a plan of action. And his plan of action for us is he wants to send us into this scary place at times to try to affect the people in the world that we are associating with. He sends us. There's an interesting verse in, in John uh, chapter 17. It's, it's just a, a chapter where Jesus prays. The whole chapter is, is just a prayer of Jesus. And I don't know, we should, we should go there often and just listen to how Jesus talked to the Father and what he talked to the Father about. But one of the things that he does is he prays in that chapter. He prays for his disciples that were his followers right at the time. You know, so we're, we're, we're stepping back in time and seeing how he prayed for the people that he was associating with and, and people that he was, he was affecting and he was caring for and things of that sort. But he also spends some time praying for his disciples who are in the future. The people that he knew were coming later, which is us. I mean, do you realize that Jesus prayed for you when he was walking on this earth before he was crucified and went up into heaven and is now there preparing a place for us? There was a time that he prayed for us. And this is one of the things that he said on our behalf. In John chapter 17, verse 18, he says, As you send me, he's talking to his father, As you send me, Father, into the world, 
I have sent them into the world. Jesus is saying, just as you intended me to be here and for a purpose for me to accomplish something, I now am passing that baton on to the, the disciples that are here and the disciples that are coming to continue that mission. That is our job. As followers of Jesus, it was the, it was the job of the disciples at the time, and it's been the job of the, this, every disciple that has decided to follow Jesus is to take up where he left off. Take up where we, whoever discipled us or is discipling us, wherever they left off with us, it's our job to pick up and to take on the task before him. And that's so important for us to understand that we've been commissioned. Every one of us has been commissioned. It's like our responsibility. And when we understand that, I think that that's when we start seeing opportunities around us. If you go to work tomorrow, you go to school tomorrow, you even wake up at your house tomorrow, if you realize that God has commissioned you, that he has sent you into this world, all of a sudden you're going to see that I have opportunities that there's like, like these people in my life that God has sent me to, to influence and to guide and to you know, do everything that Jesus was doing. What was Jesus doing with his disciples? What was Jesus doing with the, the people that he went and associated with? You know, the, the tax collectors and the sinners, as the Pharisees said. What was he doing there? He had a, a specific purpose of what he was doing. You know what he was doing. And he's given that the same thing to us. That's why Colossians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, this is what Paul says. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Why? Because Paul had this, he had this mission, right? Help me do my task that God has given me, that he's commissioned me. Help me by praying for me, that I know, I know how to clearly accomplish this. But then listen to what he says in verse 5. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Outsiders, what does that mean? Outside of the faith. Be wise how you act with the people that are living in the world that you are around. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, people that make the most of every opportunity have to see that it is an opportunity. Opportunity to do what? An opportunity to influence them. Opportunity to carry out the mission that we have been given. Let, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, because we are the salt of the earth, right? So that you may know how to answer everyone. And it's just talking about that God has sent us into the world and we have been commissioned. And when we have a relationship with the world, we have to start with understanding that we have been sent there for a very specific reason, we've been sent there to accomplish something. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Not only does God send you, but he uses you. And you're like, well, Mike, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. I think sometimes we can understand that God has sent us, but we don't understand that he sent us to participate. Like he sent us to be used. 
I have had jobs in the past that I was confused on what I was actually even there for, right? Have you been there? I mean, like, you, you, you just wonder, is my job just to sit there and hold this shovel and watch everybody else or this broom? I mean, we make fun of sometimes, you know, uh, people along, the workers along the road, where it looks like one person's digging and like four people are sitting there watching him dig a hole. And we make fun of that because it appears like only one guy understands what he's there for. And I think sometimes as Christians, we get confused on this, Right? I mean, like we know that, 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 that he's given us this commission, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. But, but most of us are constantly just not real sure how we are to participate. And it's just really important for us to understand that he wants to use us. He has specific things that he wants to use us for. Do you know, like, the number one reason that I hear, I mean, I, I don't know if this is, like, globally the number one reason, but I, I, I kind of think that it has to be, like, the top three, right, if, if not the top one. But the number one reason that I hear of people wanting to go to a really large church is to why. Why do you think? It's to hide. You know, people don't notice me there. I can go in, I can sit, I can listen, and I can go. Why would we hide? Because maybe we don't want to be involved. You know, like they'll ask you, you go to a small church and they ask you to do things. You go to a small church and you agree to do something and now you don't have a clue how to get out of it. Like I've been doing this for 20 years now. How do I, you know, take a time out or something? And so small churches scare us because they will use you. Sometimes they will abuse you and I, I hate that, Right. But the reality is, is that's the whole point of God commissioning you, is to use you. Like, he wants you to participate in, in what is going on. That's why in, in um, well, I'll tell you, I'm gonna, let's watch this video and then we'll pick up. Do you remember this show? <laughs> so, you're really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the pillar of salt thing in a while. That's all right. I believe you. I just, I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. So do I. What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building an ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> what? Your plans. <laughs> what are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. Build the ark. I'll tell you what. You build it, I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, 
Tell them flood's coming. Oh, and uh, you might need this. Okay, so what do I do? I grab the wood and then... Oh, okay. You know, that's just cruel. Do you see him? I don't see him. Building an ark the old-fashioned way. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He lives in all things and has over 6,700,000,000 children. I think that that show is funny, but obviously uh, it's not super biblical, right? Um, but uh, I mean, it's biblical in the sense of some of the things it teaches us. But uh, uh, anyway, we won't get into all that. But but the reality is, is that the reason I want there's a couple reasons I want to show you that. Uh, we'll point out another one later. But for now, I just want you to understand that no one likes the idea of change. I mean, when he was given this task, you know, uh, by God to build this ark. I mean, he realized the burden. He realized the sacrifice. He realized what God was asking to do was going to turn his world upside down. He, but he knew that God wanted to use him for a specific thing. And he just had to decide, okay, am I going to allow God to, to use me? And obviously he, he does in the movie. Um, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's us, right? Has that not happened to us? You know, Christ come into our life, he has given us a new life. And in this new life, he's given us also a new purpose, a new task, a new job. And he, he wants to use us, not, not use some of us, but every single one of us, he wants to have this conversation, just like what was going on the screen, a conversation about what he wants to use us for and what he wants to do in our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Now just think about that for a second. Whatever you do, what is it that you do? Like, what is your job that you have decided to make it your occupation? Whatever you do, he wants you to do it as if you are doing it for Jesus and not doing it for, you know, other, other reasons, for your family, for, you know, your boss, or for the job. I, I mean, for the, the wages or whatever. But I, I get that that comes along with it. But he wants you to treat that as if he assigned it to you. Like he led you there to be around those people. Like he's orchestrating something without even you being aware. And he's just starting to let you in on his plan. You think that you became... You know, this, a teacher or um, uh, a contractor or a student at this school with this class, but I have something I want you to do for me while you're here. And we begin to see that God is orchestrating our lives and he's sending us places that only we can go and we can affect and infiltrate 
He goes on to say, Know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. For the wrongdoer will be paid for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. The reality is, is that, that we, we need to realize that we have work to do, right? That he's actually called us to do a specific thing that he's called us to do. And that he wants us to do it as if we are doing it for him. Now, he talks about that we will inherit, inherit a reward. But I don't, don't ever confuse your inheritance that is coming because you are in Jesus Christ as if that is going to be your wages. You can't earn eternal life. You can't earn your salvation. You're not, you're not doing this work of God to get anything. Rather, you have already been given it. You've already been guaranteed when the Holy Spirit of God come and lived in you when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and were baptized into him. He's given you this Holy Spirit guaranteeing what is to come. Like letting you know that you are a son of, of mine and you will inherit eternal life. Like it's already been given to you and you don't work for it. But what you do is you realize that since I have been forgiven, since I have, you know, uh, inherited uh, eternal life and all these blessings that have come my way, I do this as if I'm serving Jesus because that's who I signed up to be a disciple of, to be a follower of. And that's what he wants us to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So it was the moment that God, that Jesus came into our lives, he created us to be his workmanship, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, God has sent us into the world, and, and he, has, um, he wants to use us right where we are. And the last thing I want you to know is that not only did he send you, not only is he wanting to use you, he, he already has empowered you to accomplish this. He's not sent you without the tools to accomplish it. He's already, he, he is, he's like promised that he'll be right there with you. Do you remember what the Great Commission says? I mean, he's given us great tasks to us and everyone. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I command you. Which is huge, right? But listen to what he says there. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The moment that we really take seriously that we've been sent, and we accept that he wants to use us, is the moment that we start getting really scared. And I think that we start having a little bit of panic attacks because we start visualizing having this conversation with our friend at work and how that might go, right? 
We begin to get scared because we were, we're wondering how they're going to judge us. Like, if they really start seeing Jesus poking out all over us, will, will they start making fun of us? Will they start, you know, wanting to distance themselves from us? And we begin to start visualizing how this is all going to play out if we really take this seriously. And, and what scares us is we, we wonder how it's going to work. Like, I, I don't even know what I would say. I'm not a Bible scholar. What if they ask me this and I don't know what to do? I mean, however you are visualizing that, let me tell you something that God has already promised to empower you with all that you need. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he will do, he will make it, he will accomplish what he needs to accomplish. And you will be amazed. Like, I don't know how that even worked. I don't even know how they even got here to step by me at church. Or how this is, this is actually the, something that, you know, that he is doing in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Now, why is that important? You know, Paul was going through a time where people were just like thinking he was more than what he really was. Like they were wanting to almost worship Paul. Uh, some people just wanted to, like, like he was some kind of celebrity. And some people just wanted to be, they wanted to be baptized into Jesus, but they wanted to be baptized into Jesus by Paul. And some people, you know, chose their favorite preacher or whatever to follow. And Paul was just like, wait, you guys are missing the point here. Who am I? I am nobody. And he began to have this conversation with them. And one of the things that came out of that is he just explains to people that, look, all my job is is to plant. And, and somebody else's job is to water. But I don't cause any growth to take place. God, the creator of the universe, does that. He's the one that's really, that we need to point people to. And, and one of the things that we have to realize is that our job is just to promote Jesus where we go. That's all our job is to do. So whether you are at, at, at school or work or, or home or whatever, your job is, is only to just lift Jesus up. That's all you do. You don't have to take on so much pressure like you have to be somebody that you're not. You just have to be a follower of Jesus and just promote him in everything you do. And that's what one of the things that Paul is getting at here. But also, he's helping us understand that, that we don't really do anything. It's what God does through us. I'm just watering and I'm just planting seed. But I didn't create the seed to sprout. I didn't create whatever is in water to make the, the seed sprout. There's nothing magical about anything I do. If there's anything magical, it is what God does, right? That's where the real miracle is, is what God does in us and through us. In other words, he's the one who empowers everything that we do. 
And so verse 7, he says this, So neither he who waters, or he who plants, nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. I'll tell you something else that really does for us. It takes all the pressure off trying to be perfect, doesn't it? We don't have to be perfect. We just have to promote the one who is perfect. We're just trying to convince the people around us that we associate with that live in the world still and that haven't become followers of Jesus that we have found the one who is perfect. Just like the woman at the well, when she found Jesus, she runs back into her village and all she's doing is you have to meet the one who I have just met. Isn't that how Thomas handled it when he met Jesus? He went and got, you know, Peter and he says, you've got to meet the one that I just met. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to promote Jesus. He's the light of the world. We're not the light of the world. When he's telling us to let our light shine, actually all he's doing is telling us to reflect the light of Christ into the world. We don't manifest the light, we just reflect the light. And that's what we're trying to communicate. We communicate that he's perfect. We aren't the way, but we know who is the way and the truth and the life, don't we? And so we, we can just continue to keep telling people that we are around, I'm not perfect, but I follow one that is perfect. And he makes me better. I'm so much better than I would have been if I would have did life the last 30 years without Jesus in my life. He just continues to help me become better, a better lover. He helps me become more content than I would have been without him. He gives me purpose, more purpose than I would have found if I was trying to find purpose on my own. That's all I have to do is just help people understand that everything that I have has come from him, and I'm far from being perfect, but he is perfect. We don't have to be perfect, but, but when we are trying to be perfect, people around us know that we are trying, don't they? And they start taking notice. It's not our perfection that changes people. It's, it's our desire to follow one who is perfect and allowing him to continue to change us. And that's all we're communicating. We just have to promote Jesus. And sometimes it can just feel like, you know, wow, am I really accomplishing anything? Now, I know that movie is silly and, and can also be kind of considered stupid and almost pushed up against just being flat out wrong, right? But there are some things about it that, that is that is so true when it comes to our relationship with God. God does want to use us. 
And I think that there's times that we can just be like, this is accomplishing nothing. And there was a period in the movie that was like that, right? That he was just like, nobody's listening. Nobody's going to get this. Everybody's going to think I'm weird and silly and stupid. And this is just hard. And I just think that in real life, we can feel that way. But Jesus wants people to surrender to him. He wants people to follow him. And believe it or not, he's using you to accomplish that. To convince the people around you to follow him. And that he wants them to surrender. And that's really kind of, I mean... One of the reasons that I wanted to just show that clip, probably the most, the biggest reason, is just to help us communicate that he can accomplish great things through us if we just participate the way that he wants us to participate. So we have this, this task of having a relationship with the world, you know, the bottom tier, the big tier. And it can seem really overwhelming. Like, how am I going to affect, you know, the world, Mike? By just affecting the people that are in the world that you associate with. And you just do that by allowing Jesus to affect you. People will start noticing that Jesus is like sticking out all over you. And, you know, people will notice that you're just trying. That you have like this inner voice in you now that that just is trying to get you to do things differently. I think one of the most effective things that we could do as followers of Jesus is to often be willing to apologize to people in the world for our behavior. I mean, they, it's okay for them to see that, you know what, I just want you to know I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have talked about that thing that we talked about the other day because... God just really made me feel kind of guilty about that. You know, that's okay that they, they understand that because right there they're understanding that you're just trying to hear, to be yielding to a voice that is, that is in your life. I bet you, if you ever had that kind of conversation with somebody in the world, I bet one of the things that would come out of that most of the time, maybe not always, but most of the time is them saying, you know what, I, I have that same kind of struggle. Or I want to be, you know, like that as well. And you'll be amazed how God works through that. Because all we're doing is planting and watering people. He's the one who causes the growth. We just participate God empowers us to make an impact in the world. He gives us everything that we need. So just remember that, that this was a big one that we, that we embarked on. We're going to kind of move to these other tiers, but this is a big one. And that we, he wants us to have relationships with people in the world. But he wants us to have them with a purpose, with an objective, with a mission in mind. And so as we reconnect with these people in our lives, let them know that through this COVID time, things have changed with you. 
you know, things have changed. I, I want more of Jesus in my life. And therefore, I want, to, I want you to have more of Jesus in your life as well. And just realize that God has sent you. You know, he, he is wanting to use you, and he's empowered you to affect these people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. That you, we already knew that you wanted, that you sent us and that you wanted to use us. But Lord, thank you so much that you remind us today that you actually are the one who actually does all the changing. You're the one who does the growth in the people around us. Really, our only job is, is to just yield to the fact that you sent us, yield to the fact that you want to use us and realize that you are amazing and you're mighty and you are, have this ability to work through our weaknesses. You have this ability to work through just our effort and just through our participation, but that you have given us everything that we need to really affect the change in the world around us. Father, we thank you for those who have been entrusted to us that are of the world. We thank you for their relationships, their friendship, their, their just being in our path. We pray for them, Father, just as Jesus prayed for the disciples, but also later he prayed for those who were of the world we too pray for those who are of their world that live in our neck of the woods. We pray that you would just orchestrate our encounters with them. That you would make them ready for our participation. That you would make us ready for that. Father, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.